Welcome back to middle school. It's a zoo out there, so just be cool. Don't speak too loud, try to fit in. But if you don't, then you can be in outfit. And welcome to the Outfit Repeaters, an unofficial Lizzie McGuire recap podcast. I'm your host, Marissa Cantor, and with me, as always, is Sam Chung. Hello, Marissa. Marissa, would you like to share what you learned earlier today? How much earlier today? Um, I don't know, like a couple hours ago. Are you referring to what I think you're referring to? Um, I don't know. I Probably, yes. Are we talking about Bel Air? No, we're not talking about <laughs> Bel Air. <laughs> No, that is also that something. has nothing to do with the podcast. It's podcast related. I have no idea what you're talking about. You have no idea what I'm talking about. This literally happened to you earlier today, and you're saying now you don't remember. Are we talking about the cameo? No, wait, the cameo? <laughs> I guess, yeah, we are talking about the cameo. Like the cameo reveal? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, I didn't realize that this was a big deal. I mean, it is a big deal, but I didn't realize that that was what you were going to talk about. I'm still shook that there's going to be a dramatized version of the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air called Bel-Air. Honestly, this was, I'm surprised that this is like new to news to you because I feel like this has been old news for quite some time. So the fact that you're like finding out about this now, that, that, that is a little bit surprising to me. No, it's news to me. Oh, well, that was not what I was referring to. Okay. Well, I know what you're referring to now. Okay. And it is the fact that the Lizzie McGuire and Unfabulous universes collide. They do. <laughs> like, a, like a bad Howie Day song, they do indeed collide. <laughs> hey, I love that song. <laughs> and... um. Yeah, it was quite a shock to have this realization. Yes, we learned that the actor, his name is Raja Vithensky, who plays Lee Tarak, the like Indonesian kid in the episode that we hate of Lizzie McGuire. Yes, El Oro de Montezuma. One, wait, is that the right one? Yes. That is the right one, That right? is the right one. Okay, yeah, no, didn't love it. <laughs> And, uh, yeah, we found out something about um, Lee. Yes. And that is that it is the same person who plays Jake Bahari on Unfabulous. I mean, what a glow up for this kid. They make him wear the ugliest, stupid shirt in Leslie McGuire. And then, you know what? Here he is. Like, when was Unfabulous? 2000, like three years later? Just a hunk. Yeah, not even. I feel like it was like, didn't Unfabulous start in like 2004? I have no idea. I know like we watched it, later. but. It was not that, not that much time had passed. It yeah. is a blow up. Good for you, Raja. Yeah, good for you, Raja. Way to get out of that stereotype. Uh, actually, I, I don't know that he, if he continues to be stereotyped or not. Yeah, we only watched we the only, pilot. Because <laughs> we only watched the one episode of Unfabulous. Yes. But you know what? There was nowhere to go but up. And 
He rose indeed. He did. Don't take that from Disney. Get over to Nickelodeon. Make that Nickelodeon money. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that was what we learned this week. You know what I also learned? No, you can't share what you learned. It feels like secret information. It's not. Okay. It's it's you've been on the periphery of this discovery. I've been on the periphery of a discovery? I mean, <laughs> that was a weird way to phrase it. <laughs> Basically, I discovered that I have totally been sleeping on the Saved by the Bell reboot on Peacock. Oh. <laughs> it's so good. Oh, uh, I thought your discovery was Bel Air. <laughs> that was a shock. Yeah. This was a discovery. Okay. Yeah, I'm almost done with season one. I like, I'm flying through it. It's so fun. Oh, it's so wait, fresh. No, bigger discovery. Oh, God. <laughs> I see your discovery and I raise you a discovery and you're going to be impressed with, well, actually, no, you know this discovery already. Maybe impressed is not the right word. You uh, are going to be surprised that I bring this up. But in your favorite show, Selling Sunset, there's a storyline <laughs> where Chriselle, the woman who uh, is, you know, sleeping with her boss now, is... Showing, that was so reductive. Is showing a house to Marvel star Simu Liu. And they walk through this $10 million house. And then they're walking into the bedroom. And what do they see in the corner? Oh, my God. It's my chair that I bought from Living Spaces. A big circle, uh, circular chair just there in the corner. And you know what? Actually, I don't know. Simu Liu seemed like he was interested in the house. Did he actually end up buying that house? We did not get any closure. Wait, on. what? <laughs> that happens sometimes. What's the point of this stupid <laughs> show? You don't even see if they get the house or not. All right, I'm going to assume that he bought the house because uh, he was highly interested in it. It seems like he wanted to make an offer if they just brought the budget down a little bit. Actually, did he? He might have got the house. I don't know. I got really strung in. I, I feel like Christine dominated this season. Okay. It was a we're not talking dream. about Christine. We're talking. I didn't. <sighs> you brought up selling sunset. I, I don't not. care about the people. I just, I, the houses are interesting. And the fact that my chair showed up in the show was what interested me. And the fact that Simu Leo and I might now have the same chair brings me immense joy. Okay, but you know those homes are all staged. Wait, but they wasn't, don't just like get the furniture. Wasn't he the one who wanted the furniture? No, that oh, was the basketball player. Sorry, no, that was Thomas Bryant. See, now yeah. I'm getting them confused. But I believe that perhaps he went into the bedroom, he saw the chair. Even if they went and they took the chair away, it's in his mind now. He's like, that chair does go there. And then he went and got the same chair and put, it, and put it in the corner. Yes, and I'm sure that a living spaces chair was in a multi-million dollar home. Hey, you know what? It's a great chair. It's the best chair. Who it cares where a, it comes from? It is a great chair. Don't be, now who's being reductive? Jeez. <laughs> Jeez. I'm just saying on that show, they think like 10,000 square feet is a modest home. Nothing to sneeze at. Yeah. Yeah, you need so you need space for activities and chairs. Yeah, that show makes me feel so gross. Mm -hmm. It like takes over my life for a day, and then I just feel gross after. Yeah, the season basically existed to set up next season. They used every opportunity they could to show the 
mounting sexual tension between Chris Shell and Jason. Ooh. Can't wait. And on that note, segue. <laughs> <laughs> I, I see what you did there. Segue, moped. <laughs> Boom. <laughs> electric scooter. Andy yeah. Mac. It wasn't really an electric scooter. It was it was just straight up a moped. Yeah, you you would know that. I would know that, yeah. Yeah, so this week we have thought long and hard about what we would cover and we decided to take a step back into the world of television, back to our Lizzie McGuire adjacent roots and we are now going to kind of see what Terry Minsky did next for Disney Channel. I mean, yeah, this wasn't what she did next. I originally wanted to do something different. I wanted to watch the pilot of the 2002 uh, ABC series that she did, uh, you know, while she was doing Lizzie McGuire. And you said that that was too, um, that, that, that wasn't, it wasn't uh, mainstream enough. But it got four seasons on ABC. <laughs> I have never heard of this show, and I'm not opposed to it. I mean, yeah, this was happening at the at the same time. At the same time, she was making a show called uh, Less Than Perfect. And uh, like I said, it got four seasons. It had huge star appeal. Sherry Shepard, your favorite, was in it. Zachary Levi, another one of your favorites, was in it. <laughs> I do like Zachary Levi. AKA Flynn Rider. Yeah, exactly. Um, I don't. I don't know. Are you a um, Are you a Sarah Rue fan? I don't know who that is. All right, never mind. <laughs> Do I? Should I know who that is? I, I guess if you watch this, are you an Andy Dick fan? It's cool, I guess. Apparently, at one point, like Patrick Warburton shows up. Uh, Zachary Levi is so young. Yeah, this was from two thousand two. <laughs> it's twenty years ago. Whoa. You know, maybe we'll do this. Yeah. So less than perfect centers around uh, a woman who gets a job at a fake television network. Well, not fake, uh, a television network that only exists, you know, in the show. And she she's uh, hired as a temp, but then, uh, you know, she gets kind of rerouted and becomes the uh, a, a, an assistant of this anchor. And um, the anchor has two other assistants who don't like that she's there and really try to make her miserable um, and she's, you know, just trying to fit in here at this job, uh, with the help of her two best friends who also work at the network in different capacities. So that's the premise, uh, of Less Than Perfect, also created by Terry Minsky. Interesting. Yeah. I'm open to talking about it. If you are listening to this and you would like us to talk about this show, you know, let us know. Yeah. But today we are sticking to our Disney roots. I mean, ABC is owned by Disney, so we would still be sticking to the <laughs> Disney roots. But we're going to talk about the pilot of one of my favorite, more recent Disney Channel original shows, also created by Terry Minsky, Andy Mack. I can't say enough good things about this show. I, as you know, adore it. You witnessed me watch this show in real time. I did yes you have always been very high on this show i feel like this was the show that was the gateway for me back into like modern disney channel content mm -hmm. i had you know i hadn't been keeping up with what the disney channel was doing as you know i was 
an adult, am an adult, (laughs) but this show really pulled me back in and I love it. And like, as someone who writes books for children and young adults, I always consider this show as like something I would strive to write. It feels like that kind of middle grade perfection to me. Mm -hmm. It's so good. And it's like, it has a diverse cast. It has a pretty um, edgy plot for Disney Channel, considering how squeaky clean they tend to be. The show's bold. Also, I mean, the the cast has have pretty much all gone on to do great things, more things. <laughs> I was going to say, great things. They've all just continued to do, well, not all of them. I, how many? One? I'm just looking at like two, like two of them have just gone on to do more Disney things. (laughs) Well, yeah. Peyton Elizabeth Lee, who plays Andy Mack, is now Doogie Kameloha, MD. So just more Disney. Disney plus show. Yeah. Which I'm pretty neutral on. Like it was cute. It happened. Mm -hmm. Asher Angel is Shazam. That's true. Yeah. Um, Joshua Rush, who plays Cyrus. He's just killing it in life generally. He's just like a college student. And he's like worked for Democratic politicians in Utah. Yeah, he was the voice of Waldo in Where's Waldo? Sophia Wiley, who plays Buffy, is of course in one of my other favorite current Disney franchises, High School Musical, the musical, the series. You would still call that one of your favorite Disney franchises? Season one was so perfect. Gina really carried season two. Mm -hmm. And for that, Sophia, I am grateful. I get it. You don't want to trash it because Larry Saperstein has an open invitation (laughs) to join the podcast after we saw him at a concert. So I I understand why I understand your hesitancy. I'm not going to trash it because (laughs) I don't want to trash it. I like was the second season weaker than the first one. Yes. Will I be watching season three? Yes. Like (laughs) (laughs) okay. And then the adults are also. Fantastic. We have like Leland Bowden who plays Bex, who I'm pretty sure is from like the stand up, like sketch world. Stand up and sketch are two different things. I know. Wait, I, like, what? I didn't mean to say that. <laughs> She's from like click on her. Oh, I have to click on her. This is my computer. <laughs> what? I was going to say, what are you talking about? She got her start in improv. So neither stand up nor sketch. <laughs> Yeah, she writes comedy sketches. I'm not wrong. Yeah, she's from. She started at UCB. That's what I thought. I just didn't. I didn't want to say something without fact checking it. Okay. But she got her start at UCB, and we loved going to UCB shows. Um, I this is a show for and Trent Garrett, who was in that show with Jenna Fisher. Oh, the one that got canceled. The one that got canceled. Yeah. Uh, where she was divorcing her uh, Oliver Hudson. Splitting up together. Yeah. Yeah. And then was like dating him for a hot second. And in the then, show. In the show. In <laughs> and then Lauren Tom is just, she's a legend. Mm-hmm. She's a legend. So I just think it's such a great cast. It was jarring for me to watch this show and realize that like I am now, you know, I like I think that Trent Garrett is a total babe. And I'm like, oh my God, I have a crush on a Disney Channel dad. That really, that really hit me hard. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh my God, I am old. Yeah. That but, happens when you watch children's shows as an adult. <laughs> yeah. 
but it's it's these it's like this for this show specifically it's like I feel a particular attachment to this cast and like I feel like I've like watched these kids like grow up and that's why I'm like they did they're doing great things you do you're doing great sweetie that's kind of bizarre because like this show wasn't even on for that many seasons it's not really like you watch them like grow up it's not like you were watching like Modern Family and you were watching like Nolan Gould as like a seven year old. <laughs> no, but it's like I they started off they're so like small and and then they like. But they're not even they're not like so small. They're like you know almost like in this you know they're twelve in this episode. No, in this episode she turns thirteen. Yeah, she's a teenager, so she's not like so small. Yeah, but when you watch like when you it's see not the, like watching uh oh. what's that uh outnumbered and. Tiny Karen is like yeah. <laughs> four years old. <laughs> oh, that show is so funny. No, but oh, Sam, you always try to just wear me down. <laughs> I thought we were providing some discourse, some conflict. It's just like if you watch the whole series and you see how where it ends in season three and then you go back to season one, you're like, oh my gosh, they're so small. Like that okay. is a period in your life where you just like rapidly, rapidly grow Okay. That's all I'm saying. And then like following them on social and seeing what they're doing now. It's like, they're still so young. Like Peyton is 17, man. Mm -hmm. We are old. I know Um, she's a doctor now. She's a doctor now. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But let's talk about the show. Let's talk about some of the parallels we see where it is a departure and then we can kind of get into the episode. Okay. So in terms of similarities i think you can definitely see the lizzie mcguire roots in Um, this sure in terms of the composite of characters uh yeah no that's yeah no that's true on a very on a very like basic you know we have the same we have andy mack lizzie mcguire then we have the best friend the girl best friend and the guy best friend and we have the like unattainable crush. Yeah, but there's no no the sibling. No sibling. Well, is there? We think there's a sibling. There's not. No, there's no. There's no, no what? Well, I'm just saying it's the pilot. It's a big. That's the big reveal. Oh, is there? Is there a sibling? Lasts for like ten minutes. There's that's no- true. <laughs> I think that it's a pretty strong pilot. I would say in terms of you know pilots can go either way and I think it's one of the better pilots it's a pretty good pilot I think there's definitely some things missing in the pilot because they it's such a plot heavy pilot like we don't get it a ton of uh we obviously get the setup of her and her her mom sister and her mom grandma um (laughs) and her dad grandpa and and then we get the setup of her and her unrequited love but I feel like the friends Kind of get like, I don't know, just ignored in this episode. Yeah. It's funny too, because like Buffy and Cyrus are such great characters and they each get their own like fantastic subplots and stories. Um, But the pilot's not about them. The pilot is about Andy. It's about the secret. It's about Bex coming back and the big plot twist that is her 13th birthday. You know, I think it's okay for me because, I mean, this is where Lizzie McGuire and Andy Mack really differ is that, you know, in Lizzie McGuire, there is absolutely no sense of where we are in time. And 
Andy Mack is serialized. There is a cohesive plot. We are always moving forward in time. We always get like a previously on Andy Mack before the episode starts and a next on Andy Mack when it ends. So it's okay for me that they were kind of light in the in the pilot, like Buffy and Cyrus, because the next on seemed to indicate that they would be a bigger part of the episode. And I'm pretty sure Disney aired this as like a two-part. Oh, did it? I think so. Oh, well, we only watched the first part, if so. Yeah, we watched like the true pilot. Yeah. But yeah, I'm pretty sure Disney aired it as like a one-hour block. I see. With the first two. So maybe if we watched both, you would feel differently. Maybe. Yeah, and I think that's my favorite thing about this show is the storytelling and like the way that each episode is building towards something in a way that Lizzie McGuire just exist. Each episode existed in its own bubble of time. Yeah. There's going to be, it seems like some sort of romantic arc. That's uh, an actual arc and <laughs> yeah. And not uh, just, you know, piecemeal things here and there. Yeah. Kind of like a connect the dot. Yeah. It, it's so good. It's so, I just, I, I try to like, I have to refrain from gushing too much because I'm just like, I love this show. I thought it was stupid <laughs> that the mom's name is Bex and then the love interest name is also Beck. Like, what is that? That's stupid. It's not that confusing. It's it like, is that confusing. And it just, her name like, is why, why, why would you do this? Like, like Rebecca. It doesn't need to, like, it doesn't need to be this though. It doesn't need to be this way. And his name is Jonah Beck. He's like a full name guy. As someone who was once a full name guy. Yeah. That must have been relatable content. But yeah. I think that, like, if you're making up a bunch of characters' names, I don't know, say you had a character in your book and your and your character's name was, like, uh, I don't know, like, just a random name, like, Sarah, Sarah Johns, would you then go and name a different character John? No, because it's confusing. <laughs> like, why? Why would you do this? But multiple people have the same name or close names in the real world. Sure. In the real world. In a <laughs> in a TV show where you're trying to like make it like distinguish who characters are and just make it like easy for your viewers. It's like, <laughs> it's like, why? Why would you do this? It doesn't make any sense. See, it's so funny because this has never struck me as weird or problematic in any way. And it's one of the first things that you noticed. Because they were saying like Jonah Beck and like, I don't like it was very unclear to me if like because we've just met this woman like is she Bex all the time is it a nickname like is she Becky sometimes is sometimes or you know is she Rebecca sometimes like it's unclear because Bex is like such like a I don't know like a nickname that feels like so intimate maybe not everybody calls her Bex everyone calls her Bex okay but you're saying that from a position of like having seen the whole show but then they're yelling Jonah Beck and it's just like is it Jonah comma Beck? Like, what is happening? Like, is it Jonah comma and then addressing Beck? It's very confusing. No, because it's Beck's. Well, you're Ed again, Beck. again, you're saying that though from a position of having seen the show. Oh, Sam. It's confusing. Oh, it's you, stupid. You sweet summer child. <laughs> Just admit that it's stupid. It's stupid. It's not. It is. It's dumb. Distinguish your characters. They are plenty distinguished. Do you have any other preliminary thoughts and feelings before we dive into the episode? 
Do I have any other preliminary thoughts and feelings? I mean, it was definitely, I think that the, the, the parents here, and I guess the grandparents, seem to be, they seem to get more to work with than uh, Sam and Joe McGuire. They seem like they're actually being developed as, like, people with actual, like, uh, I don't know, interests and flaws. And, uh, you know, I like that. That's interesting. I don't know that it's interesting for kids. Like, do kids care? I don't know. But yeah, no, the adults in the series really do become like their own subplots. Like they are complex characters. And it's cool to see that you like and just even on a very like representation level to see like a biracial Asian family Mm -hmm. depicted in centered in this sort of like complex and nuanced story. So, you know, appreciated that. I appreciated that uh, right off the bat, uh, we get that, you know, uh, Andy Max seems to have some interest, which is something that Lizzie McGuire never really got over uh, the course of two seasons. So, you know, that was fun. Maybe I should develop some interest. Because she likes arts and crafts? Yeah, she's a crafter. Yeah, she likes to craft. I, I don't know. I Is the premise believable? I... It's hard. It's hard for me to say. It's based on. It's based on which which celebrity was this based on? Yeah. Okay. Well, you better bet it's believable because it's real, and it is Jack Nicholson's <laughs> truth. <laughs> okay. All right. Sorry, Jack Nicholson. Yeah. Apparently, Terry Minsky got the idea. For Andy Mac based on Jack Nicholson's life story and that he was raised not knowing that his sister was actually his mother. For how long? <laughs> this synopsis article. When the Disney Channel asked if I had any ideas for a show, I thought, what if Jack Nicholson were a 13-year-old girl? <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't answer the question. I don't know. For nearly four decades? Whoa. That's wild. What? Is this believable? Is this believable? I mean, like, why are you so skeptical of this? Like, if nobody ever told, how would, why wouldn't you believe? It's a huge, it's a huge deception. It's a huge deception, but it's like, I just don't understand, like. You think that you you would be intuitive enough to figure out that somebody that you believed was like your cool older sibling was actually. Okay, but like, okay, maybe it's believable for Annie Mac as a 13 year old. But now you're telling me that Jack Nicholson <laughs> believed that his sis- his sister or that his mom was his sister until he was like 40 years old. Why wouldn't you believe that though? Because like on any legal document, you have to get like your like now anything you've done is like invalid. Like say he got married and it's like, oh, who are your parents? Oh, I guess I'm not legally married now. I lied on my marriage. Like what? <laughs> Like, there's all these things. And then, like, but he never got a copy of his birth certificate. He just went through his life. Like, he he turned 18, and he was like, hey, mom, dad, who are actually his grandparents, like, can I have all my documents to go out forth into the world? And they're like, no, you can't have a copy of your birth certificate. And he's like, oh, okay, that's not suspicious. <laughs> what? I, 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 I got to believe there that's are ways not, around okay, that. Okay, that's not believable. That is that is a rabbit hole I am not prepared I, to <laughs> jump into. I think that that is not believable. I appreciate that you are continuing to, you know, keep up the facade for the sake of Andy Mac that it is believable, but for a 40-year-old man, I do not think it is believable. For Andy Mac, you know what? Sure, I can suspend my disbelief. That is it. 
Woo. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Tell me how you really feel. Sheesh. And if and if Jack Nicholson wants to explain, he has an open invitation to join us <laughs> on the podcast. <laughs> and explain how this happens. <laughs> Compelling premise for a TV show. Sure. I mean, they ruin it in the first 10 minutes. Like, <laughs> I wonder if there was a way for them to do it where, like, we as the audience knew, but she continued to not know. For how long? I don't know. For- 40 years. Clearly. <laughs> it's like i don't even you know you know the movie the truman show like i don't even think truman is 40 and he ruins the truman show (laughs) i think he's like in his 30s you're really just ruthless (laughs) and that is with literally everybody lying to him and it doesn't make it 40 years yeah yeah can't argue with that you cannot because it is it is fact anyways anyways want to talk about the episode sure so yeah, let's talk about the pilot episode of Andy Mack titled 13. In this episode, Andy's family life is thrown for a loop when her big sister Bex returns home on the eve of her 13th birthday. Bex arranges for Andy to learn a new sport with Jonah, the cutest guy at school and the captain of the Space Otters Frisbee team. And this episode aired on March 10th, 2017. That's that's a bad synopsis. That's a terrible synopsis. <laughs> that synopsis is not under that does not uh really explain the premise of the show. Yeah, the Amazon Prime synopsis is better. Short and sweet. Andy's life is complicated by the arrival of her older sister, Bex, who has a secret that could change both of their lives forever. There's a typo in this. <laughs> Good job, Amazon Prime. Yeah, read it correctly. That could change both their lives forever. (laughs) Yeah, feel embarrassed, Amazon. (laughs) Now, I really love, like, what this episode did in terms of the 13th birthday being on the cusp of, like, when when you're this age, it's like you're yearning so hard to be seen as grown up, but you're still very much a kid. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that juxtaposition is explored really well. In this episode, mm-hmm. um, like we start with Andy going behind her mom's back to purchase an electric scooter, which is something that her mother would never approve of. Andy feels stifled. She feels like her mom doesn't let her do anything. And she gets this electric scooter, but the training wheels are on. Yeah, I don't even know if this is a thing. First of all, she said that she got this by selling her bike. So are we also to believe that like, she had training wheels on her bike. It's like a 13-year-old. Like, if you know how to ride a bike, I feel like you'd know how to ride a scooter. I don't think so. I think just taking the leap. I understand of, the metaphor. It's a metaphor. I, yeah. No, I understand that it's a metaphor, but it's like, this is not a thing. Sam, you're too stuck on <laughs> the realism. Just let them tell a beautiful story. Okay, Sure. Um, and that's the opening teaser. We meet. You know, it's actually harder to ride something with training wheels than without training wheels. <laughs> like once you take the training wheels off, you have to like relearn how to do it because you rely so much on the training wheels. Okay. <laughs> and we meet Andy's best friends, Buffy and Cyrus. That is the opening teaser. We cut to the theme song. Theme song thoughts. A uh, good theme song, but I didn't think that the like opening 
scene, like that, you know, theme song scene had much going for it. No. Yeah, no, it was just kind of like them popping up. Um, but it was like they weren't really doing any, like, there were like these little snippets, but it was kind of hard to see. And then they would like pop up and it seemed like they were just standing there, not really doing anything. Of everything we watch, would you say that Zoe 101 still wins superior theme song? Uh, yeah, no, good theme song for Zoe 101. Bonus points because, uh, because, uh, uh, I almost said Zoe is singing because Jamie Lynn is singing. <laughs> <laughs> this is probably number two. Now I'm forgetting what was the Unfabulous theme song. It was bad. It was bad. I remember it was bad. Ah, but Sabrina Carpenter is singing the the Andy Mac theme song. Uh, they really kept it in the Disney Channel thing. But do I? Um, but I'm thinking like, do I care about that? <laughs> <laughs> I don't really care about that. She's not involved. Is she in the show? No. Yeah, no, she was in I the th- other show. Yeah, they just didn't have any singers. On the show. Well, I guess Sophia sings, but maybe that was an untapped talent at the time. But yeah, Tomorrow Starts Today. Good song. Yeah. So then we pick up where we left off at the teaser. She is walking back with her electric scooter. Buffy and Cyrus are like, there's no way that your mom is going to let you keep the bike. But Andy's not. Andy's turning 13 tomorrow. She is new. She is... Someone who now asks for forgiveness, not permission. Did you just say she's new? Yeah, there's just something about turning 13. I can't drive and I can't vote. I can't even pierce my nose. So what does it mean to be 13? I can go to the movies and see. PG-13, can't see him when you're 12. PG-13, PG-13, PG-13. That can't see it when you're 12 <laughs> line still gets me every time, I have to say. That is peak comedy. But yeah, you know, Andy's just so sick of hearing no every time she asks her something. So this time she didn't ask. She she got her scooter. And Q. Big sister Bex rolling in on an actual motorcycle like a badass. Andy is excited to see her sister. Apparently, she's not around all that much. She's kind of a free spirit, has wanderlust, is always going off and traveling and seeing cool things. It makes it hard, I think, to feel like I will ever, uh, you know, sympathize with the mom. I don't know. It's very difficult, like... If you're not even going to take care of the kid, like at least be around though. I don't know. It she has a big she has a an uh you know, a big hill to climb to get back on like the you know, the pod to for I feel like for people to view her positively now. I think you should keep watching the show. Well, of course you do. <laughs> Why am I not surprised? I just think that that is such a simple take. Like she was still a child when she had a child. Sure. And she had a lot of growing up to do. Okay. And I think what you don't know yet is how much of her absence has been influenced by her mother. Like, that's a very complicated relationship. And you don't know to what extent Bex did want to be around. And Cece kind of kept her, kept her away. You just don't know. You only saw the pilot. So Andy 
is acting all like, yeah, I'm so cool with my electric scooter one second. But the second that any semblance of an authority figure comes by, she chickens out. The bike is now passed off to Cyrus. It is his. Um, Bex is reintroduced to Buffy and Cyrus. And we get a really, I thought it was a really cute um, sort of Buffy mention, like Buffy the Vampire Slayer. They throw in some like oldies references in this show in ways that work, in my opinion. Okay. Like when Buffy drags Buffy for being super old and she's her own person and not some like super old vampire. Mm -hmm. But actually I started watching the show and it's pretty good. Um, But yeah, it's very clear that Bex's sudden appearance is a surprise. Even more clear when we go inside and we meet Andy's parents. Andy and Bex's parents for all we know at this point. Wink, wink. I mean, they're always Beck's parents. But I'm just saying that Andy, the Andy Bex relationship is a sibling one at this point. Yes. Okay. Um, Mom is super like, why are you here? How long are you staying? When are you leaving? <laughs> that is kind of her whole, her whole thing. Um, like that's the first thing she says to Bex is how long will you be staying? Because Bex doesn't stay. Bex leaves. And guess what? Bex is not leaving. She is moving back home. She's finding a job, a place to live, and she is ready to get her life together. I'm trying to do the math in my head. I, I'm trying to think of how old she was when she had Andy. Because if she was if she was 18, it's not like she was. she's that young right now. Exactly. She's 31. She's Where 30. is she? <laughs> Where is she all the time? Yeah. Andy is super excited about this development, though. She's like, Bex is back, and she's ready to embrace that. Um, Mom, on the other hand, is pretty stone cold. And I just think that, like, Lauren Tom as Cece is one of the best, like, Disney Channel adult characters, like, ever, in my opinion. She's so good. She hits every, like, comedic beat. She hits it with the emotional, like, softer moments. She never misses. She becomes such a complicated, interesting character. And, like, we never we never get that because these shows are always so fixated on, like, the kids and, like, the antics and the silliness. And Cece was just so, like, grounded in something real. And like you said, I don't know how much kids cared about that. But it is so compelling. You don't know. But maybe I don't you know. will know. No. It's, she's so she's so good. Like learning how to like loosen up and like the arc between her and Bex and like them rebuilding their relationship is so beautiful. It is like chef's kiss. Mwah. Perfect. So then Bex and Andy hanging out. Andy's room, we learn Andy is a crafter here. She can make a bracelet out of anything. She made a straw and a shoelace into a bracelet. She has made comic books, soda tabs, even her old retainer, which is quite frankly disgusting, into a bracelet. Bex is really enamored by the straw and shoelace one and asks if she can keep it. And that's her bracelet now. It is special to her because Andy made it. We learn here that every time Bex 
go somewhere new, she sends Andy a scarf. And Andy has, like, the scarves hanging decoratively from her ceiling. That is all she has of her sister. Mm -hmm. Scarves. And then Bex is like, yeah, well, I know you don't know me that well, but here's the deal. I'm ready to tell you more. She, she scurries off and she goes to grab a box, it's like a wooden sort of, what would you call a box like that? A box. A box. <laughs> I feel like there's a name for it. Like a box that you would keep memorabilia in. Cece's like, no, that is not just a box full of memories. That is a box full of secrets and I want them to stay secrets. Andy never needs to know. And Bex is like, okay, mom, puts the box down. But just kidding, grabs it and scurries back to show Andy her box of secrets. Now, I think Bex assumes that she'll have a lot more control here than she does. Because all the secrets are in the box. It feels like a bold choice. Wait, I don't know what what you mean. The point is that that's where the pictures are. Yeah. Of them. Uh Uh-huh. They're in that box. So who's to say... That, like, Andy's not just going to, like, reach in and stumble upon it in that moment. Uh, I'm confused where the box... Did she have the box or did the grandmother have the box? No, she had the box. She had the box the whole time? It's her box. Yes. So why is the... How can the mom police the box? This makes no sense. Because she knows what's in the box. I guess. The mom being there is a convenient plot device so that we know the box... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> we know that the box is full of secrets. It's full of secrets. Pandora's box. Andy and Beck start going through the box of secrets. Um, she's just showing her like old boyfriends, like travel photos, that type of memorabilia. And Andy's like, your life is so cool, Bex. I can't do anything here. And then Bex gets a glimpse of Andy's computer screen. And I'm not sure why there's like a giant Jonah Beck on her computer, but there is. Again, a plot device. Yeah, that's a little weird, actually. Like, what do you think about it? That's very strange. It looked like she was almost watching, like, like was it like a video? Was it? Oh, it looks like a screensaver to me. It's very strange. Oh, jeez. <laughs> In any case, we need to make it apparent to Bex that there is a boy. And yeah, and then, wait, did she say who this was in the moment? I think his name was like, on it oh and then bex just happens to be like let me check my minor database (laughs) and find the correct jonah yeah there's a lot to unpack about what happens between (laughs) (laughs) between this scene and like the following scene because we jump cut to the following day it is now andy's birthday and andy's birthday present from bex is a frisbee lesson with Jonah Beck. So somehow... See, this how is that not confusing <laughs> to you? <laughs> so somehow, Bex got into contact <laughs> with Jonah Beck and coordinated a last-minute frisbee lesson. You would think that a guy with the social status that Jonah Beck has would be pretty booked, but alas, he is free. And he's like dude, I know you, you go to Jefferson. And I didn't write down too many quotes from this episode, but I did write down this one. He's like, some people never forget a face. I never forget a foot. <laughs> like Jonah Beck has a foot fetish. Kinky. 
the point is that Andy has cool shoes. Or is it? Yeah. <laughs> oh, geez. And then, because it is Disney Channel, because it is Terry Minsky, cue montage. Of course, yeah. There has to be a montage in a Terry Minsky show. Yes, and the montage, it's this really sweet montage of Frisbee, Jonah teaching Andy how to play, and she catches on pretty quickly, so much so that by the end of the montage, Andy has to join the team. She just has to. Yeah. And Andy's like, but I'm not a sports person. I'm an inside person. And it's like, girl, relatable. But Jonah's like, you're so good. You like this. And then Andy flubs. She's like, yeah, I like you. It, it, I like it. Which is such a classic, a classic moment. Yep, nailed it. And then we start hearing an Amber Alert. (laughs) Yeah, I didn't love that. I don't have a lot to criticize about this series, but this is the one piece of it that does feel a little strange to me and a little icky. And so here we're introduced to Amber, who is Jonah's girlfriend. She introduces herself by saying Amber Alert over and over again to announce her appearance. And I do have to say that Andy's drag of her doing that before she walks away is iconic so good a plus but andy's like i don't know you and she's like yeah because i go to i forget the name of the school but long story short amber is in high school so a high school girl is dating a middle school boy love to see it great stuff good work disney channel (laughs) and it's like okay so andy just turned 13 even if Jonah is already 13, I'm assuming he's still 12. They're like 12, 13. She's 14, 15. That is a huge age gap developmentally, especially when you consider the fact that like girls hit puberty first, they mature first. Like it's just, it's weird. Mm-hmm. It's weird. And I like, it would be it, like, it's weird both ways. Sometimes when you gender swap something, it seems like, one way is more acceptable than the other way. Like people didn't really have anything to say about this, but like if a 12 year old girl was dating like a 15 year old boy, that would be disgusting. Yeah. It'd be weird. That would be weird. And it's weird here too. And I just want to state that even though like, I think the reason why it quote unquote works. And like, honestly, like when I was watching this, I totally forgot that Amber is supposed to be that much older than them because like the actress is the same age as all of them. So like she doesn't like look drastically older. And so it's kind of a thing that's introduced and then it kind of falls away and doesn't become like, you're not constantly reminded that she's supposed to be older. But when it was introduced here, I was like, oh, go away. Yeah. Like, why? Like, why? Like, I I just like imagining myself as like a 15 year old girl wanting to date a 12 year old. Like, girl, no. (laughs) But yeah, I think that's a thing that kind of got scaled back, dialed back as the show progresses. Gotta keep it real. Mm -hmm. Basically, the result of this Amber introduction is that Andy is embarrassed. She's like, See Amber, Amber is all the way up here and she like points to the sky and then she's like, and I'm all the way down here. Move your foot. That is me. I am the ground beneath your feet. I'm like, Andy, you need some, you need some self-esteem. 
you need to think better of yourself. We get this moment between Bex and Andy where it's clear that like Bex is kind of trying to mom her but doesn't want to like overstep or like really know how but it also points to her own baggage like her words you know where she's like you were raised to think you have to be perfect you don't like that felt very much like Bex talking about Bex and not Bex talking about Andy because Mm -hmm. like as Andy points out like Bex doesn't really know Andy Bex hasn't been around she's like you don't know. Like, I'm just the girl you send scarves to. Mic drop, storm away. But then guess what? Jonah texted Andy and everything's okay now. <laughs> well, how quickly things change. Yeah, but Bex is really, you know, shook up by this interaction. So she is ready to throw in the towel. She's like, I'm out. I tried. Bye. Yeah, at that point, it's like, why did? Why would you even try? This is more, this has got to be more for her than for Andy. I don't know. yeah. Like, what's the point? I guess if you are, if you do find yourself in a Jack Nicholson's mom situation, <laughs> like at at that point, you're like 13 years into the lie. Like, I guess you might as well just keep it going. Like, what is the what? Who gains anything from this? OK, but now you're like contradicting yourself because you're like, how could this go on for so long? But now you're like, well, but no. like, why wouldn't you? No, I'm just looking. No, it's not contradictory because I flipped the script and now I'm looking <laughs> at it. Now I'm looking at it from the other perspective, like from the from the Jack Nicholson perspective. I don't understand. It makes no sense. But from the Jack Nicholson sister mom perspective. Sure. Keep it going for as long as you can. Like, why did she why did she do this? Like, what's the point? gotta keep watching Uh, okay but for now she's leaving and andy's like no it's okay like we're good jonah texted me i don't know how he had my number and bex is like i gave him your number he asked for it and she's like oh my god see this is great like jonah beck asked for my number we're good all is well bex just is so angsty right now she's like no i have to go i've made too many mistakes and andy's like what mistakes? And she's like, every single day of your life. And Andy's like, what are you talking about? You're scaring me. And Bex is like, you should be scared. She opens the secret box, the box of secrets. And we see a picture of her wearing a terrible wig, first and foremost. Um, but she's in a hospital bed and she is holding a baby. And that is her. And the baby is Andy. And we get the big reveal where she's like, Andy, I'm not your sister. I'm your mother. Dun, dun, dun. I think that the reaction here is perfectly appropriate. Like performance wise, everybody, everybody nails it. Because so chaos ensues at this point. Andy is now yelling for her mother, who is now her grandmother. She says, my brain is melting. And everybody is like freaking out. Cece's like, you t- like just, she thought that the lie could keep going and everybody's reacting to it. And Andy's like, no, like you guys don't get to all react to this. Like I'm the one who's allowed to have a reaction to this because you have all been lying to me my whole life. And it's like, yeah, girl, go off. And she runs away to her little tree house. It's called Andy Shack, but I don't think that they've called it that yet. That is the first time I've ever heard that. Um, That's what I wrote in my notes just because I know. 
And Bex follows her. I forget the exact quote, but I wrote Nickelback drop? X question mark. She tries to explain herself, but Annie doesn't really want to hear it. And like, that's fair. She's all like, when I look at you, I see my cool sister. But you're my mother who abandoned me. And I mean, I think that's Sam's take right now, too. That is my take. And her and her return, her, you know, fortuitous return is just suspicious. I don't know. It's sus. Why are you here? She must want something. It's sus. And like, why now? 13 years later. Bex will tell Andy everything whenever she is ready. She's not ready. She just wants to think about Jonah's texts. Go away. Then we cut to school the next day. Cyrus still has the electric scooter. Buffy and Cyrus are both like, did something happen on your birthday? Because we tried to contact you and you you weren't answering. Which in like retrospect... Yeah, like, why wasn't she hanging out with her friends on her birthday? Like, why didn't she already have plans? They were just derailed by a Frisbee lesson. With Jonah back. Yep. They're like, did something big happen? And Andy's like, yeah, something big happened. Cyrus is like, thinks he gets it, but like, he doesn't get it. She makes like a, yeah, that's first period comment. And Cyrus is like, exactly. So Cyrus thinks that the big thing is that Andy got her period. And I thought that the way that that was woven in was pretty clever Mm -hmm. and cute. But Cyrus, you are wrong. And it's also like, just like as a quick aside, because I can get easily derailed. I just think it's really refreshing to even get content like that from a perspective of like a boy acknowledging a period in a way that's not like, ooh, period, gross. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? It was just like chill. It was chill. Whereas, like, Gordo heard the word bra, and oh my god. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, the world had ended. Yeah, let me know when it's school supplies or school supplies. (laughs) Um, And then we cut to after school. Andy shows up to the ultimate Frisbee practice. Uh, Jonah already made Andy a shirt for the Space Otters, which was just so cute and pure. She she is going to be on the Frisbee team. It's very cute. Love to see a co-ed Frisbee team. Then the moment happens. The metaphor is come to fruition. Andy takes the training wheels off her bike. She rides it home. Cece is like, oh, well, that's new. And she does not like the bike. And she is still trying to act like nothing has changed. And Andy's like, yeah, sure, nothing's changed. Grandma, mic drop. Andy's just like full of the mic drops this episode. And then there is a tender concluding moment. Bex approaches Andy again and wants her to make her something special out of their hospital tags, which she has kept all these years. And that apparently changes Andy's tune. Yeah, that's so sus. That's so manipulative. Like, no, that's sus. Don't fall for that, Andy Mac. And then she's like, wait, you have photos of everybody in that box, right? And Bex is like, yeah. So obviously the logical next step here is like, who's my dad? And Bex is so unprepared for this. And like, how could she be, right? Like, obviously you set yourself up for this. And she closes the box. She's not ready. Andy's like, well, let me know when you are. But then she steals the box while Bex is sleeping. That is the first episode of Andy Mac. Mm-hmm. 
Yes, you know, this is this is definitely sus for sure. If this was like a horror movie, like the dad would be like about to die and Andy Mac would be about to like inherit some sort of fortune and the mom just like reappears because as like the uh I don't know, as like the guardian quote unquote, she could take control of the fortune. I don't know. There's something something it does not add up here. And it, it just feels too oh convenient for you to reappear now. I don't know, I'm skeptical. Okay, but it's still Disney Channel, so <laughs> I'm saying if it was Andy McNoir <laughs> <laughs> We still have good intentions. If I was making the Bel Air version <laughs> of Andy Mac as a drama, <laughs> this would be it. I understand what you're saying, but it's just not what we get. Yeah. Overall, thoughts, feelings? Would you keep watching it? Do you feel compelled? Compared to how you felt after watching the first episode of Lizzie McGuire. I feel I do feel more slightly more compelled because I do appreciate that it is like a serialized show, so there are going to be some like storylines that continue. Um so I am like slightly more compelled to watch than I was after the first episode of Lizzie McGuire that we watched, but I feel like there, it, it, you know, it wouldn't supplant my regular rotation of shows to make space for this show. That's fair. I mean, at this point, too, it's like not, it's weird because like pieces of it are on Disney Plus, but not all of it. Mm-hmm. And that is so confounding to me. I it just like confounding. don't understand how rights work, apparently. Yeah. Where, like, why are, like, half of seasons or, like, a couple episodes from one season on Disney Plus? Why wouldn't it just all be there? Yeah, that's a good question. I, I have no idea. So I can understand it's not the easiest thing to find in completion. I won't, I won't force it upon you until it is. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I am glad we watched this. I think that especially as the show continues, you start to see similar themes from Lizzie McGuire, kind of like, you see how Terry Minsky as a creator has evolved with the times Mm -hmm. and like kept up. And like, there's just such good, like there's fantastic mental health rep. There is like, I've talked about this before, but like Cyrus is Jewish and his bar mitzvah is so good. It's one of my like favorite episodes. There's also a really beautiful episode where his grandmother passes away and there is a whole episode set at her shiva which is um a component of like a jewish funeral so like in particular like the jewish rep is very meaningful to me in this series great like lgbt rep too um it's really like again for disney channel i mean it was long overdue but like this is the first show where a disney character says i'm gay which is wild to think that it has taken that long and it's so wild to think about like the content we were watching when we were younger on that channel or that i was watching because you were not watching it um and the elements that were like so heavily queer coded but Mm -hmm. like that they weren't allowed to like explicitly write queer characters Cough, cough, Ryan. High School Musical 2. Cough, cough, I Don't Dance, where they switch uniforms at the end of the song. I think that this show in many ways kind of signals a cultural shift at the Disney Channel. 
And I think it's kind of like paved the way for some of the stuff that we have seen since. And it's great. And I love it. Yeah. And it's like one of the shows that I wish that I had when I was younger. Mm -hmm. Again, I just, I could talk way too much about this show, but I'm already longer than I want to be. So we can, we can wrap it up. Cool. Should we, should we MVP? I mean, sure. it feels pretty straightforward. I agree. It does feel very straightforward, this episode. Again, as it probably should, Andy Mack, Andy Mack. I mean, that's still better than Lizzie McGuire. <laughs> <laughs> Lizzie McGuire set a real low bar for MVPs. <laughs> that's so true. But yeah, I mean, it was really, it was really Andy's episode. A lot was happening to her. She had a lot of big things to deal with and she's great. And I feel like she had the, you know, appropriately horrified reactions at every turn. Her brain was melting as it should have been. That is a huge thing. It's a huge deception. Yeah, for sure. And, um, there, the, uh, there's just like a lack of other options too. Like I'm not going to give it to the mom or the other mom. The friends were barely in it. As you mentioned, uh, Jonah Beck, bad name. If the sister's name is Bex <laughs> and, uh, yeah, Jonah Beck is adorable though. And he's, he's dating someone well older than him. <laughs> so just really limits the options. There really was just an A story, Andy story. There wasn't really anything going on outside of following her around in this pilot Mm -hmm. so it makes sense yep well we did it we did another episode we did yes will we be back next week um perhaps but for now as always you can follow us at alfred repeat pod on twitter and email us at alfred peters podcast at gmail.com if you're oh sorry I was just going to say, if you do have an interest in us talking about Less Than Perfect, I genuinely do mean it when I say, let us know. Yeah. Um, If you are curious about any of our earlier podcasts that we've recorded, you can find them either at our website, www.paginatedmedia.com slash outfit repeaters or on any platform where podcasts are available. Yeah. And we will figure out something to talk about next week. I think it should be a fun one. I think we should like end 2021 with a bang. Oh, it's 21. 2021 ends next week. <laughs> oh, okay. News to me. This year needs to end. All right. Well, we'll we'll see. We'll, we'll figure see it out. It we'll figure it out. All right. Cool. Till then.